Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades. See, Noah, I did get that one right. My name is Chad Jarvis, and I am joined, as I was in the previous episode, and it's not a very good start for you, Mr. Robert Kitson. How are you doing tonight? Uh <laughs> Maybe maybe I shouldn't be doing this as a you know a part time side gig. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's an okay night. You know, Tuesday night it's starting to get cold here in South Jersey, so the heater's on and all that stuff. And of course, the warm and cozy feelings of a brilliant afternoon Sheffield United game were not as warm and cozy by the end. So, nah, it's it's one of those things. It's just going to happen. It was inevitable. Um, it's just a bummer that I have to talk about it with you for two podcasts in a row. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was pretty pretty well summed up when uh, the full-time whistle went today. I was like, man, that sucked. And I, I believe I, I texted Noah as well, and he, he sent back. He's like, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best performance from the boys. We were uh, on 10 unbeaten going into this game, and – just flat out didn't look at it today. I mean, the first half, I thought we were, you know, in the game and probably had our best spell of playing the first half compared to the second half. Obviously, I think our best chance came in the second half before I think what it was that we talked about the 60th minute or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just nothing. I, my honest opinion, we just look dog ass tired. We just look. Like there's, we have nothing left in the tank. You know, we don't look the same side without an L in there. It's just, we look, I don't know if it makes sense. One dimensional. Yeah. No, it's, that's, that's a really, really good shout there. I mean, the, the tiredness, this is a team that's currently facing injuries. The number of injuries are piling up and they have been before this match. And this match alone has added, potentially three names to that list with both wingbacks and Sander Berga right at the end coming off hobbling. So it's, yeah, it's tiredness from the international break because of a lot of our guys, like awesome job that they're playing for their international teams. But then to have so many games back-to-back midweek games, this is going to be a tough stretch. And if these injuries are bad at all, we're not going to be able to play the way that we need to be able to play and have been able to play this season and last season, it's going to require us to try something different uh, for at the back, play with wingers up top, maybe to get McAtee Kadra on. I mean, we'll go into all of this later in the podcast, but yeah, it's it's not a good sign right now for the team moving forward. No, I, I feel like it's only us that is dealing with this. I don't believe like any other team isn't in this bad a spot as we are. I mean, we're the walking wounded right now. And it's like, (laughs) when is it going to stop? It's almost like when the international break comes at the end of November, when the world cup starts, it's almost going to be like wrap some of these players up in bubble wrap and don't let them go anywhere. And just like, let's nurse them back. Cause like you said, if we leave any of these guys for any amount of time, we're going to be screwed. And then, in a sense, it's it's where Hecky's going to have to earn his paycheck because he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and be like, it might be just throwing darts at a board and be like, okay, you're going to play here, here, here. I don't know. I just hope it you know turns around for us at some point. But two games at home, and we get one point out of yep. a possible six. 
Yes. Yeah. We yeah. score <laughs> we score one goal and concede two. I mean, it was Fortress Bramall Lane. It's obviously been breached by QPR today. It got breached and we pulled the goal back against Birmingham at the weekend. So I don't know. It's just one of those tough stretches. And we all knew this was going to happen. We knew we weren't going to run the league and win 500 games and have a million points and be up by Christmas and all that BS. But it just kind of sucks when you get that little dose of humble pie. And it's like, hey, here's reality. Welcome back to the championship. But I mean, in all honesty, we still are top. I mean, our goal differential is five goals better than Norwich, albeit we're on the same points. But I mean, it's still early. Yeah. It's yeah. It's early. it's a great spot to be in if you ignore the fact that it's now two games without a win. But if you were telling me at the beginning of the season, at this point in the season, that we would have, you know, enough points to be top of the league, I'd I'd have bit your arm off, you know, or what you know, yeah. whatever the saying you want to use there. It's 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 a great spot to be in. It's just unfortunate that the form we're in right now and the injuries we have are not as exciting as the position we hold in the table. Yeah, I would agree with you that. What do you say we, you know, get into this game? I mean, I'm, I'm not really wanting to review it, but I mean, <laughs> the listeners are clamoring to hear what we have to say. And so, I mean, like I said, we started out the better the better side. And in the fifth minute, Bash has a, a left-footed shot from outside the box that was saved. So, I mean, right off the bat, you know, coming right out the gate, Bash has a shot. Six mm-hmm. minute. Norwood has a shot outside the box that's assisted by Illuminan and Dice. It's six minutes. Here we come. We're bringing our shooting boots. I mean, that's what you like to see out of this side. Yeah, it's it was good early possession. It was good early chances. Not, you know, high quality, you know, ball has to be in the back of the net level chances. But we definitely started on the front foot. We had a good beginning of this game. And I'd honestly say we had a really good first half. Not a lot to complain about the first half through. Um, I mean, I jotted a note down in the ninth minute already that we were having really good possession in the box with uh, Doyle and Berga kind of coming together. But uh, one thing I noted early, and it kind of showed throughout the rest of the game, was that we don't have a left-footed player in this team other than Reese Norrington-Davies. And it showed. QPR had one thing on their mind when they're defending, and it is show every United player back onto their right foot. Anytime anyone had the ball on the left, it was easy. It was straightforward. Okay, fine. Give them the side. They can run towards the corner flag all they want, but they're going to have to cut back across and shoot, pass, cross, whatever with their right boot. And it was very obvious from the beginning. And, you know, in that ninth minute effort, Doyle did have a pretty good chance on goal but it just went right into uh, the goalkeeper's hand. So it, it was one of those that early on you were seeing that we kind of had to play a certain way and QPR could do a pretty decent job of stopping us. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And like more to your point, you could definitely see that they were forcing us back in. And it's like, okay, they always they all have to shoot on the right. You know, it's not going to happen. We'll, we'll make them, we're going to just disrupt them. And it you could tell it frustrated us. Because the one thing I noticed early is it looked like they were getting to McBurney. I don't know if they were getting under his skin or roughing him up or whatnot where we couldn't see, but it just kind of looked like he looked like how he looks when he gets subbed off in about the 60th (laughs) minute, 65th minute. And they, 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 the camera on SUTV panned into him and it looked like he had been out 
and had like a hard night of drinking. I'm like, man, he looks like hell right now. So they must QPR must have had a perfect game plan. And more to that point, these teams were going to go up against that we, you know, have out power and out like out manpower them. They have to almost throw a perfect game at us every single time to beat us. And, you know, QPR might have exposed us through that out there and be like, hey, if you want to beat them and you don't have the quality that they do, do this. And look, if you can nick a goal, chances are they're not like they're not going to have many opportunities and they're not going to take advantage of them and you're going to beat them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Birmingham City did that at the weekend. QPR followed the same recipe. Maybe, maybe as we were saying last time, you know, we we've had a good run of oh, find these teams at the top of the table, find their weakness, and expose them for everybody else. Maybe it's our time. Maybe the yeah. the the shoes on the other foot. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> agreed. Fourteenth uh, minute, TD was pretty good in this game. I, I think I thought Tommy Doyle had a pretty good game. He had a sh- right footed shot outside the box, but you got to realize all of our shots were taken are outside the box. Yeah, that's it was- one thing. It was a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's like every every opportunity we had, it's like we're not really testing the goalkeeper. You know, it's like easy as you like. The goalkeeper, Sonny Dang, he's coming out calm as can be, getting these balls. He's not making any errors at the back, and it's not really putting much pressure on their back line. So if we get a shot from close range to make it ping pong around, they have to defend it and clear it out. You know, we're kind of almost letting them off the hook by taking a shot from that far out. Yep. So the first real chance for for QPR comes in the 21st minute. Luke Amos had a, has a header from the right side of the box, high and wide to, to the left. West, in in my opinion, you know, I was in and out in, for spurts. It didn't look like West really had much to do. We didn't really have too many defensive issues, and I think if these teams can. I don't know, latch on to one opportunity and score. That's where we struggle because look at Birmingham, the ball fell to, to Troy Deeney, one opportunity the whole game and they score and it's, it, it ends one, one. Yeah. It wasn't a lot that Wes had to do. You know, the, there was the chance there in the 21st minute, three minutes later, QPR had another chance, um, which I think was one of their best opportunities of the, the first half. But prior to that, I will say an important note was John Egan getting a yellow card on the 22nd minute, yeah. uh, because I think it led into this this chance from chair being as good as it was because he, he makes this really good run and he has some pressure put on him by Doyle. But Egan, the whole time as he's tracking him, he can't actually step in and try to block the shot or make a tackle or do anything because he's got this yellow card fresh in his mind mm-hmm. and you can just see the hesitancy from Egan. And and luckily it doesn't come to anything, but you know, it it was one of those like, oh gosh, is this going to bite us in the butt immediately where Egan gets a yellow and already it's affecting the game. Yeah, it, I mean, more to your point, yeah, cuz that was off of a counter too. Mm-hmm. It, QPR took the ball and it it went end to end. And it looked like they had their front three had so much more pace than our back line did. Cause when it was like they were off to the races every time they got like they got on the counter. I was like, oh man. Cause that's I think there was a couple of opportunities in the game. I think they had three on two and we were able to track back. And I think one one time Sandy Barge was back defending and he was able to put a foot in and and get the ball cleared out of there. But it's just like yeah. man, these teams when they go on the counterattack. 
we just are like asleep at the wheel and we're like, oh, okay, we're going to have the man event. We're going to be down a man here. We're going to try and track back. Oh, we were able to get in because I think some of their attacks, some of the other attacks in the league aren't as quick as some of these teams are going up to. But I was really shocked by how quick QPR looked out there. Yeah, and it almost came like I noted at this point in the match that it was a really open game and there there was a long period without any real stoppages. And I think it led to QPR leaving a couple people up high, just saying, hey, you can have possession in our half of the field and we're just going to do this tactic of letting you take it on your left foot if you want, knowing you're going to come back to your right, only taking shots from outside the box. And they were able to quickly either win the ball at the top of the penalty area or, you know, get the ball to their keeper and work it out quickly to where then they could exploit us at the back and try to use their three attacking players who were just sitting back the whole time and try to create chances that way. And none of their chances were stopped by fouls or the ball going out of play. So then we immediately are recycling possession and trying to lump it forward because they just have you know committed a bunch of players forward. So it was this big kind of spell of back and forth, open play. It kind of got like weird and ugly and like, exciting at the same time just like yeah and and during this period i want to know during this period was the first time that reese norrington davies overlapped Jaden yep. bogle and i made a point to note that at 32 minutes was the first time we saw reese making an overlap and i'm like finally a guy with a left foot on the left side who can make a cross into the box yep. and then i never saw him getting the ball in that position again. He, the rest of the half, made great runs, did a lot of overlapping, but from that point on, Bogle kept cutting inside and shooting. Yeah. I, I As the game grew on, I noticed that too, because it was like, it was almost like where Bogle, and I wonder if Hecky said this leading up to the game, be more selfish. I wonder if, if since Bogle's been out for so long, I wonder if Hecky was like, you know, hey, if you're on the ball, don't worry about Reese coming over to the top. Just drive it in and take take the shot because he took a lot of I don't know weird shots if mm-hmm. I if I could say or you know I think I caught myself a couple of times saying pass it off or quit being so selfish I know I said it at least one time quit being so selfish right. but I mean yeah you're you're spot on with that I mean that was weird you know mm-hmm. you if the overlap is there give him the ball and let him cross it in. Exactly. And he's got the left foot and and it never happened. Um, Like if if R&D had the ball over there, it was because he took it or, you know, there was just some other way that he got the ball. But Bogle, for some reason, just despite him being open, wouldn't pass it to him. And like you said, maybe it was an instruction. Maybe it was like, oh, man, I've missed out on so much of this season. I got to get in there and try to shoot and score. And that's not to say Bogle had a bad game. I actually liked him and I thought he played really well, but it was the same thing over and over again. I get it down into a good area. I have an overlap. It draws a defender. Okay, now I'm going to cut back in. And I yeah. cut onto my right foot and I try a shot or I try to work it into the box. I lose the ball. And, you know, it It just got old really quick. And uh, I think that was kind of the the sign of like, okay, is is this game actually got a goal in it for us? Do we actually have the ability to score if this is all we can do? And yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty sour taste in my mouth from that. Yeah. Uh, so, so get, getting back to the match, 27th minute, I think Tufty Club called him squarehead Johnny. He had a left-footed <laughs> shot from the left side of the box and misses wide right. I mean, I had to make, I had to make note of that because it's like Johnny Egan shooting. That's, that's weird. Yep. That's something you don't see every day. 
Uh, 32nd minute. Ilya's chair, a right-footed shot from outside the box is blocked. Uh, 33rd minute. Oh, here we go. Square-headed. Squarehead Johnny again, a header from the right side of the box is blocked, and he that ball came in from, from TD. You know, little hint to who my man of the match is. You know, I know we lost, and yeah, you're not supposed to give a man of the match in a, in a loss, but I think TD played pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, thirty nine. Then we skip way ahead in the first half. 39-minute, Baldock, header from the right side of the six-yard box is close, but misses right. That was from a Bogle cross, which, I mean, Bogle did do. I feel like he had a, a a few crosses that came in and just instantly got blocked. And I was gonna bring this up. Are we looking at like a guy that's like a one trick pony? You know, he doesn't have much in his bag. You yeah. know, except for that little cut inside, get onto his right foot and take a shot. Yeah, and I think I think part of this is, and we'll have to give Bogle some slack here, as as I'm like one of his biggest critics of this game, but. It's that he is playing on the wrong side of the field and he, yeah, yeah, right. He's at least a natural ring wing back, which Kadra is not, but he was playing on the left when he's normally on the right. And so if he's on the right and he has the ability to use his right foot, he can cross, he can cross it early. He can cut inside. He can dribble. And we saw, I saw him one time on the right side in the box and he dribbled beautifully and got through and like, you know, almost created a really good chance. But when he's on the left, he, you're absolutely right. He is a one-trick pony. He has dribbled to the edge of the box, cut inside to my right, and then stuff, you know. Yeah. And I wonder if that boils down to, obviously, the injury situation we're in. But, like, if Anel comes back, do we move Reese back to his normal position, like his wing-back position, and then switch Bogle and take Baldock completely out? <laughs> and, put, and put Bogle in? I mean, because it's, it's tough to say what we're going to do because are you going to almost negate Bogle's powers by putting him on the left side and making him and forcing him inside? Or do you put him in his natural position and kind of do like a rotation thing between, you know, Bogle and Baldock? I mean, yeah, I'm almost leaning that way right now because I, I just, I just miss Reese Norrington Davies on the left. I think that wing back needs to have a left foot and even putting bash at left center back, Bash can hold his own. He yeah. was fine out there with an L on the right. I think I'd prefer an L on the right. So honestly, yeah, I would it, probably the Bogle Baldock thing is going to come down to form and it's com- going to come down to fitness. Um, yeah. Whoever's the most fit because both of them left this game a little knackered. So our best chance the, the first half and I was kind of yelling at the TV when this this chance went wide 39th minute. And Dai dribbles the ball into the box and has a shot. And I don't know what he saw, but the ball goes, I don't know, whiskers wide, right? Yeah, yeah at less than a foot. And uh, and the best part, right, is he did this all himself. He yeah. won the ball back. He won like and dribbled it into the box himself. He didn't have anybody that he needed. This was like classic. Okay, Illy's gonna gonna take this. He's got this yeah. right. He's taking control of the game. He's gonna give us a goal. We're fine. Ah, and then it just goes wide by so thin of a margin that I'm just just sitting there and like, okay, is yeah. It's another sign of this is this is what the game's gonna be. We're not gonna be able to score. We're you know gonna sit here and a great first half stat wise and not have anything come of it. Yeah, that, that's what I thought too. When that chance went missing or went wide, I was like, "Yeah, this isn't our night." Nah, <laughs> not in a, not in the cards tonight. And so I was just like, "Okay, 
this is how it's going to go. Because if you look at where he pulls, like he pulls the trigger and shoots, it looks like it's going to go to the bottom corner and tuck right, right into the back right corner. Mm-hmm. And for it to just go wide, it's just like, man. I mean, it was a good opportunity. Like you said, he won the ball back, dribbled right into the box, took the shot, and just went wide. So that was our best chance probably of the game. Maybe our second best chance aside from the Norwood shot, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. So back into the game, 41st minute, Bogle has a shot from the left side of the box, saved in the top. Perfect example like we've been talking about. Bogle. Yep. Right footed shot from the left side. Doesn't make any sense. Uh Bogle has another shot in the 44th minute. Right from right footed shot outside the box. High and way over the bar. I mean, way mm-hmm. over the bar. Yeah. First sign of, of Sandy Barge comes in the 45th minute where he has an, a right footed shot from the center of the box is blocked. And at after three minutes of stoppage time, we wrap it up at halftime. Nil, nil. What were your thoughts at halftime, Robert? Yeah, uh, I honestly was feeling positive um, in the first half. I thought we had really good possession, really good link up and progressive passing. And again, like I pointed out, it was a pretty open game. So it was kind of easy to pass the ball up the field quickly because QPR was kind of committing to each counterattack and we would just would win the ball in play still. Um, and by far, it was more exciting than Saturday's first half, um, <laughs> that, yeah. that, which is kind of easy to say. That was a pretty low bar. But honestly, yeah, my other notes were that Bogle is really talented, but also really right-footed. <laughs> yeah. And then yep. that uh, Tommy Doyle is good. Um, yeah. it just Tommy Doyle is good. Double underlined on my note sheet. Uh, yeah. yeah I, uh, I like that guy, and I'm so bummed that he keeps getting taken off in these games. Yeah, I... I... I it has to be strategy or just maybe resting him, you know, because we go again at the weekend. But mm-hmm. honestly, I'm going to say at halftime, I thought this thing was going to end either nil nil or QPR was going to win it because I was like, I just don't feel like we're in it. I just feel like we are kind of along for the ride. We're going to have a few opportunities, but I don't think we're going to get a goal. And McBurney really wasn't a factor in this game. You know, so yeah, that's in, that's honestly fair. Yeah, the main goal scoring threat from our team the last couple of games, I didn't note him down at all. So yeah, no, absolutely. He was he he had gone missing, so it was kind of one of those deals where just like nothing really was going our way, and I didn't really think there was anything in the side and on the bench that could change it around. And you know, lo and behold, that's that's what the result ended up being. So. Yeah, that's those are my first half thoughts. Not, I mean, bright first half, but not not the not the best. Yep. So starting the second half, not much happened. The one key thing I will say is forty seventh minute, the big substitution, Kadron for Baldock. Baldock went down. What was it? It wasn't in stoppage time of the the first half with that. Yeah, it was. It was right at back. Yeah, yeah, it was right at the end. He. He kind of it was like that chance near the the far post, and I guess he had kind of gone down hecking bottom afterwards, saying that he he rolled around to try to avoid the the hoardings, uh, the signs on the side of the field, and so the way he did that kind of like injured or kind of hurt something on his lower back, and he was you know pointing it out. You could see in the the match live at the end of the first half, but he got right back up and you know was pretty effective for the next couple minutes. But yeah, he must have felt something signaled over to the bench. Because right away coming off, Kadra was ready. So, but it, it was surprising though, because Kadra didn't go back to the left hand side. He stayed on the right hand side. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which to me really didn't make, we should have just, should have swapped them. And the, the people <laughs> listening right now can't see my fingers going from side to side swapping. Swoosh, but swoosh. Yeah. It, I don't know. To, to me, it really didn't make much sense. And more to your point on Baldock, is it, I wonder if it's one of those injuries, you know, it's made famous over here in the United States where like the professional athlete like spikes the the Xbox controller and breaks his finger and he's like, oh God. Or like the the easy like lifting a couch and then the guy hurts his back and he's out for six months. It's like I hope it's not one of those deals. He tried to avoid the avoid the signage on the on the field and ended up hurting himself. Hopefully not too bad. Hopefully he's back at the weekend. Yep. Yep. That would be good. So, all right, well, we should get to it. 51st minute, here is the QPR goal. Uh, Chris Wilk has a right, right-footed right shot from a difficult angle on the right to the center of the goal, pass Wes, 1-0 QPR, and that was basically it. I, I noted a couple key things on this goal, and it, it did not show up often, and Honestly, it could be another, if you analyze it all the way down to the nitty gritty, you could say it's another example of uh, people switched off just like Bash in the last match. And that's what led to the goal. But really, this kind of came down to uh, a pass that Bogle and Doyle didn't connect well with. Um, It kind of went between the two of them. Bogle didn't come to the ball. Uh, Doyle didn't commit to tracking Willick. Uh, And then honestly, Reese Norrington Davies chose to block the cross rather than block the shot. And I don't think that was mm-hmm. a bad choice. I think it was the the play leading up to that. And then Heckingbottom post-match said it took a deflection off of Reese Norrington Davies' leg. I didn't see it in any of the three camera angles live. Yeah. I went and watched it back. I still don't see the deflection. I think Wes needs to do better. I love the guy. He has got so many clean sheets. He's done so many good things, great saves. But this one, not his brightest moment. And I'm not blaming him for like the whole team underperforming in the second half, but not my favorite Wes moment. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say at the beginning of this, was that Wes's softest goal he's given up for uh, United on his 50th cap Mm -hmm. for United too. And he gives up, which I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, that's a pretty soft goal. It's like, I don't know, really know what was going on there, but I don't know. I don't get paid the big bucks to be a goalkeeper, but it just looked <laughs> like it was a soft goal to me. Yeah, it, it seems to be the narrative that we always say, and Wes couldn't do anything about it. It's not Wes's fault. Yeah, uh, This one he probably could have done something about and probably yeah. should have done something about. I still won't say it's 100% his fault, but it's it's definitely not a faultless goal for Wes. Yeah, we'll just call that, we'll just chalk that up as a uh, team Field goal because <laughs> there was more parts than just West that had to were at fault on that one. Yeah, but 59th minute, TD and Bogle link up again as a right-footed shot from Bogle. Left side of the box is blocked again, and then an absolute hammer piss missile from Ollie Norwood comes in that made Sonny Yang dive to his left and if he was late to that, that was another piss missile goal by Norwood. Yeah, and honestly, this one, the camera angle behind the goal was brilliant because it showed just how much this ball curved. 
it was probably a foot, foot and a half wide of the goal when Norwood struck it. And it curved all the way. And it was like, okay, that is definitely going in like by probably another foot. And Diang just did an amazing job to dive over like all the props in the world to him. I would argue that this between this and Njai's effort that just went wide, we should have had two goals right there. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the XG says. I'm not going to like dive that heavy into the stats for this podcast, but those two from one of those, we should have had a goal. And yeah, it was just mm. so, I mean, I love the camera angle as a football fan, but just so like uh, frustratingly close to equalizing this match to, you know, putting on good performances and, you know, all would have been forgiven for most of the rest of the match <laughs> if that had snuck its way in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, alas. This, this was, this is more to my point when I, when this absolute world, world-class save comes in, I'm like, yep, this is more to my point. We're not getting anything else out of this game that we've already given up the goal. You know, it's, it's over. We're going to lose, but I don't know. We kept playing. I mean, it's not like we laid down. I only feel like we kind of just even keel the rest of the, the rest of the match. And yeah. Yeah. There were, there were some interesting things when the substitutes came on um, in the 63rd minute, just, you know, popping forward there a bit. Uh, we brought on the, the traditional change at this point, McBurney came off and sharp came on and then Doyle came off and Brewster came on. And honestly, McBurney, that's fine. Like he did not have much going on in this match. Taking him off was a okay with me. But Doyle, I thought he was the best player in the first half, if not one of the better players for us. And now that's two games in a row where I felt he's had a really good performance and he's been taken off, in my opinion, prematurely. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. Is this is this a symptom of like we've indicated? Is maybe he not in good? you know, health and endurance and stamina and all that stuff. Is this Man City saying you cannot play our players more than 70 minutes in one match? I doubt yeah. they would say that. But or or is this hacking bottom just not seeing what the rest of us are seeing and rather seeing people's paychecks and transfer values on transfer market? Like I, I don't know why Doyle comes off there and not Berga, who I don't think he's at as bad of a game as everybody has said on social media, but it was not a good game from Sander. And and I have other notes to to back that up later on here. No, this is this is back to back games for him where he's just kind of been like, nah, I'm I'm good. You guys go have fun. I'll just kind of hang out here and just run around. But yeah, I I mean we made those changes and honestly, not really any of them. Maybe aside from Kadra, which we made earlier. Mm-hmm. None of them really had an impact, and honestly, the skipper doesn't look like he can get involved. Brewster here and there, but if we weren't giving ser- getting service up to you know McBurney when he was in the game, what made you think we were going to get service up to Brewster when we were going to when we put him into the game or Sharp? I understand Sharp's in there just to disrupt everything and just try and draw fouls, you know, close to the box and you know mm-hmm. win free kicks that we can swing in have opportunities to goal. But I don't know, I just. It's kind of like you said, it's the same change we get accustomed to, and it really nothing really happens. Right. So, uh, 67th minute, El Capitan has a header from the from the center of the box and it's high and wide. And that that was a, a across from Kadra. 70th minute, Johnny Squarehead again. Here <laughs> we go. Header from the header from the center of the box, too high. So, I mean, we kept poking and prodding throughout the game, but we never really challenged their goalkeeper. You know, mm-hmm. aside from the Norwood shot and save, we didn't have anything else going. 
Right, right. It was it was little things here and there. It was it, it this is also the time of the game, you know, where they took off uh Tyler Roberts and brought on a central defender, went to a back three and really closed up shop, said, OK, yeah. we'll take the one nil. We don't need another goal. You guys aren't scoring anyways. And we're going to make sure that you're not scoring. So QPR really, really leaned into we're going to play defense. We're going to see this out. And it was effective. We did not have any good quality chances, I would argue, the last 20 minutes of this match. Yeah, that's and I mean, we can fast forward to the 81st minute. Another cross comes in from Norwood. Johnny, Johnny Squarehead. Another header. No, saved again. So, I mean, like you said, 82nd minute and die. A header from the center of the box off of another corner. We had a bunch of corners and free kicks and whatnot, but we can't. It's it's like without and now in the, in the side, we're missing a big cog in the wheel here. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't think we would take this big of a step back. And I'm... I feel like I'm overreacting because my octave level keeps going up, but <laughs> I just, I just feel honestly like we're missing a huge part of the team. It's like, man, there's what I didn't know one player was going to have this big of a, of a miss for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it certainly has felt that way. The size, the presence, the physicality, the, the abilities and skills he brings from open play, um, Anel has just like, you know, transformed and reinvented that Chris Basham overlapping center half role, but also from set pieces. He's got the skills to pay the bills that John Egan has in Ireland, but does not have in England, apparently. So it, yeah, it's, it's definitely a big target in the box that we're missing. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, you know, he's tall. Yeah. But he looks kind of skinny on paper yeah. and in, in picture. And I'm sure in person he's would tower over me and uh, all my, I was you know, say. Five foot eleven paper. <laughs> I, I should say, yeah. I, I don't know how to judge someone's skinniness on paper. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, back to to the point is yes, we are missing an L. Completely, 100 percent agree. Yeah, and so I'll fast forward to the only moment of controversy. Sandy Barge, right footed shot from out outside the box, but he drives it in. You can see on the replay, he gets drugged down. The defender pulls on his shirt twice, and then it's almost like Sandy Barge reacts too late. Mm-hmm. He goes down, and he goes down, and it's it's an awkward kind of like little fall. Everybody looks to the referee. Is he going to point to the spot? He says no, and that basically ends the game. Yeah. So my question to you, Robert, is was it a, in your eyes, was it a penalty or not? Because in my eyes, it wasn't a penalty. In my heart, it was a penalty. Easy. Yeah. Right? You know, Sanders pulled down. He's hurt. Like, he can't jump up and yell at the ref saying, look, he pulled me. Like, because he is injured. He is, like, brought down in such a way that his body unnaturally contorts underneath him. And something went wrong with his, I think it was his left leg. Yeah. But does that constitute a penalty when it was just a shirt pull and Sander also had the defender's shirt? I don't know. Heckenbottom seems to think it was, you know, clearly calling out two hands pulling Sander down. He's hurt now. Like it should have been a penalty in as many words as I don't think he said it should have been a penalty. Cause I think he can get fined for that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, realistically, I, if you give that penalty and I, I'm the, an imposing fan, I'd probably feel it's a little harsh, but I could justify it. If you don't give the penalty and I'm, you know, a fan of Sheffield United, it's a little harsh, but I can justify it. So it, it's one of those kind of 50, 50 things. If we had VAR, if we were in the premier league, would VAR have stepped in in that moment? I don't know. I would have hoped so, 
but um, alas, the call didn't go our way. Not much we can do about it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it finishes blades nil QPR one. We go again, but who I hate to do it in a, in a losing effort, but who do you have a man of the match? I alluded um, to mine earlier. Yeah. I, it It's tricky. I would say, I think I would have to say Doyle as well. I, all of my notes in the first half were, you know, Bogle is good, but needs a left foot and go Doyle. He's, he's awesome. I love this guy. And these were my notes, you know, in the second half as well. And as soon as he came off, all of my notes leaned into why is Sander not playing well? Why does he feel lazy and lethargical? And like, he's sitting back all the time. And honestly, it's because he was put back in that position. We've said this constantly this season, Berga in a, two-man midfield does not work. He needs to be higher up the pitch. He needs to honestly be on the right-hand side in an attacking midfield role, like inside winger, like whatever you want to call that, that's where he needs to be. And when Doyle comes off and Sanders dropped deep, it doesn't work. And the Norwegian fans saw that during the international break that he plays back there for Norway and he seemed ineffective during their second match of the international break. And we saw that today. And yes, he's probably tired. That has something to do with it. Mm. But you saw that at the dying moments of the game, he had the two best opportunities within the last couple minutes of the match. He had one from the left-hand side where he drove into the box, and he had one in the right-hand side where he drove in the box and could have been awarded a penalty. So when he's in those positions driving into the box, Sander is good. When he's not, and honestly, I think that comes from taking Tommy Doyle off, he is not good. So it's a weird way to say it and justify it, but I think that's what makes Tommy Doyle the player of the match for Sheffield United is because when he's on, it lets Sander Berga do his thing. It yep. lets Norwood do his thing. And Tommy Doyle has shown the last couple of games that he has his own thing. And it's really good too. There's a couple like defensive like slip-ups here and there, and he's young. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for a couple of those. But on the whole, I would rather have Tommy Doyle playing in this side right now than Sander Berga. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. And that was that's what I'm gonna ask you when we get to our, our Stoke preview in in our lineups. Does Sandy Barge come out and do we put like a McAtee in there just yeah. to, you know, give give Sandy Barge a little bit of a rest and say, hey, we'll call you back when we need you in a couple games. Just rest your, you know, you've played all this, all these games in a row. Just rest your yourself. If we need you for substitution appearance later in the game, we'll probably call on you. But I mean, that's something heck he's probably got to think, think about, you know, yeah. honestly, because. If he's going to go out there and just be like non-existent, what's the point of, of having him in the game then? Yeah, and I think the only reason that Sander probably starts on Saturday, despite me wanting to him, have him rested, despite me wanting to see Kadra or McAtee playing in that spot on the field, is that we don't have, we don't know if we will have two healthy wingbacks yeah. on Saturday. It's true. That's very and true. McAtee came on for Bogle, and I would, I would say that that point. McAtee wasn't really a wingback. He was more of a winger because we were so attacking by the end of the game. But Kadra came on and has now played two games in the wingback role. So the two players that I would put in for Sander Berga to give him a rest and give him a break might have to be our wingbacks. And that's kind of scary. And it leads to a question that I'm sure a lot of Blades fans have been asking themselves. And I've seen a lot of Blades fans asking each other on Twitter and social media is, do we abandon the back five right now? Do we have yeah. enough defenders who are healthy, who are on the grass, as Hecky likes to say, that we can play five at the back? 
And I would say probably not. It is probably like as much as I hate it and I did not like it when we played it under slab, it's probably time to go to a back four, but R and D out on the left, put Egan and bash in the middle. They can flip flop around. I don't care who's on the right or left. And then we have one wing back spot that we have to fill with either Baldock or Bogle. If one of them are healthy. And if not, then we can put a Kadra or honestly put Kyron Gordon on and bash can play on right back. Like let's give Gordon a chance. Like, I don't know. I, that that's where my head's at right now. Chad, what do you think? I don't envy I don't envy Hecky at all right now because this is you know, it seems like you're between a rock and a hard place at this moment. You know, you don't you don't know. I mean, obviously you're on on the back of a draw in in a loss, and then we go again against Stoke at the weekend, and so you've only got what's today? You got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you play on Saturday. So you have four games four days into our next game. And it's like what the hell do you do in in the meantime? Obviously, you yeah. know they've they've got other tactics, and you know they've they've probably been trying all this stuff out in training. So, I mean, they're it's probably no sweat. We'll probably roll something out. You know, we could see something completely different against Stoke, but who who knows? Only time will tell. And and that leads us into our next segment. We play Stoke on Saturday at three p.m. BST. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the East Coast Red Half of Sheffield. (laughs) And this one is away from home at the Bet365 Stadium. So, Robert, man, I watched Stoke last week at Stuff 4-0 against Watford. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their form hasn't exactly been been great. You know, they got stuffed 4-0 against Watford. Drew against this QPR side we just faced today, beat a Hull City side 3-0, lost to Reading 2-1, and drew with Swansea. So, you know, a kind of little bit mixed form. You know, yeah. our form's almost becoming mixed at this point. It's not all <laughs> unbeaten streaks. Now now we have a big red mark in there. So our form's a little bit up and down. So this could be an intriguing game. Yeah, yeah. And they they've got they've got some interesting players in their side. Um, I think the the four nil loss at Watford uh, is probably not reflective of their quality. Um, but I also think three nil against Hull is probably also not reflective. I think they're somewhere in the middle. Um, I think they'll give us a good match and hopefully again, fingers crossed injuries and whatever formation we have to work on and, you know, all that stuff aside, I, I would hope that we can get back on the the positive front of at least getting a point, probably a win, but man, there's, there's a lot of questions still. And Stoke, obviously, they play tomorrow, so they have one less day of rest. So hopefully that, you know, can benefit us as well. They're playing Burnley, who could probably beat them. And so maybe that's two losses coming into a match against us. I, I wouldn't envy a, a Stoke side that has to play those three matches in a row. But <laughs> yeah, that's a tough that's a tough sledding right there. Yeah. But I mean, their their highest score is Lewis Baker with he's on four goals. Ben Wilmot's got two as a defender. They've got Dwight Gale, who's like 80 years old, and I watched him play against Watford, and he looked miles away. But, you mm-hmm. know, they just recently appointed Alex Neal from my other my other team, Sunderland, just took him right off their hands. And he um, he is not, not performing up to the standards they want at Stoke because I think, you know, Stoke's been one of those teams that since being relegated from the Premier League, they've been kind of – irrelevant they've kind of just been like a mid to lower table side yeah and you would have thought you know 
a decent sized club like Stoke, a good stadium. At least we're not facing him on a wind, uh, on a like a rainy, windy night on Tuesday in yeah. Stoke, like like the <laughs> analogy is. But yeah, I mean, you kind of alluded to it before we proceeded to get into Stoke. But what do you think the Blades line up like? Yeah, can we I, just I, can we just like lean back in the chair and throw a dartboard and say you can start here and you can start here. That's and... what it. That's what it feels like right now. And yeah, I would, I would say if I'm gonna guess that one of our two wingbacks is healthy, and I'm gonna guess that they're gonna play on the right side. So if Hecky goes with a four, I'll I'll stick with you know R and D Egan Bash and insert Bogle or Baldock here. Um, that leaves us an extra player to play further up the field. So I would say Tommy Doyle and Norwood. In a deeper midfield, I'd put Sander Berga. And um, honestly, I'd probably put McAtee on there. He needs some game time. And I didn't think he had a bad end of the match uh, as well today. So I'd give him a shout and then maybe give McBurney a rest because today wasn't as as good as he's been. So you have Illiman and Die, And then Brewster up top is who I'd put up there. I think Brewster deserves a, a full game on the field, um, not this substitution stuff. So again this could be all out the window. If we try to play five at the back, this could be all out the window. If an L Ahmed Hodzic comes back, which there's rumors that maybe he could play as early as, you know, Saturday. I don't believe that. I'll believe it when I see him on the field. I I won't even see an hour beforehand on the team sheet. I still won't believe it until he's out there kicking a ball around, but yeah, that's probably how I'd line up. Uh, but I'm not confident in that at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm my lineups basically spot on to yours. But like you said, we don't know who's going to be healthy. You know, an L could come back. There's so many. Trying to predict a, a lineup now, like I'll see in good Nick from the Chef United Way will, you know, put his predicted lineup. And I'm like, how? I mean, he must just be like throwing darts at a dartboard because, I mean, you don't know with half of these people <laughs> being healthy and not. I mean, who's to say any of our, our players that, you know, Baldock, Vogelberger could – all be out you, you yeah. never know that's so, fair that's true i keep i keep saying sander and like I, like i'm forgetting he went down injured like that's yeah that's the end of the game was he hurt he was hurt yeah. so he may not even be in this match too uh but on, on the point of nick i think he's he's doing something fishy though like this last game he got the lineup exactly right a day beforehand and then miraculously he's eating dinner with the owner before the match like yeah mm, i think something's going on there he's got insider knowledge so yeah. insider knowledge yeah that, that's that's probably a fair assessment right there <laughs> you know how's so, moved to cyprus and all the, the integrity of the chef united way has just gone you know yeah down. exactly um so on that what is your score prediction for saturday Oh gosh, I said this last time and I'm an optimist. So I'm going to stick with uh, a 1-0. I don't think Stokes is good as QPR. And I think we're going to, you know, see this opportunity as a moment of like, hey, let's get our act together. Let's get back out there and do what we should be doing and stay top of this league. And so I see us getting all three points, but it's it's going to be 1-0, I think more because of the injuries we have than that I think Stoke are that good. Yeah, I was going to go with a 1-0, but I'll be different and I'll go with a 2-0. And Ooh. I'll just because I mean it makes most sense to go with one nil with all the injuries, you know. It's gonna be it's just gonna be you know, it didn't look like we had the good chemistry we had through the midfield like we've had in the recent games. And although this could be a side that you know they just give up four against Watford, they could give up another two against Burnley. Who's to say we don't go and slide two more past them? 
Yeah, you know? Absolutely. So, well, I think that's all the time we have for this episode. And if you guys are like, oh, no, Chad and Robert, they are terrible at this. Noah will probably be back uh, for a review of Stoke. I'm not exactly sure when he gets back into the States, but he will be back. My monotone Kermit sounding voice will be back (laughs) joining him as always. But Robert, where can uh, the people find you on the social medias? Yeah, if uh, you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Captain Cosa, C-A-P-T-N-C-O-S-A. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at cjarvis underscore 13. And if you haven't already done so, and I don't know why you haven't, if you haven't done so yet, but you're listening to this pod, go in, subscribe, like, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, Facebook, the Red Half of Sheffield. Twitter is at Red Sheffield. Give us a like, give us a follow, shout us out. You know, if there's any pressing questions you have blades wise run it up the flagpole me and no will probably you know give you a shout out yeah and but, and, and everybody should should let chad and noah know where you're listening from like i personally yeah. i drive to work i listen to the podcast in the morning sometimes it goes long and so i have to listen to it on the way home as well but like you know comment on the next one the next tweet like you know where where are you listening where do you like to listen to your podcast i'm more curious so tag me in it too because i just yeah. want to know where people listen to podcasts these days it's always interesting to to hear like, oh, I listen while I work out or, you know, some people can't do that. And so anyways, let, let me know at a minimum. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So until Saturday, when we faced Stoke away, up the blades, Robert. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards. <laughs>